Welcome to the Voices of Young People podcast, brought to you by Springtide Research Institute. In each episode, we hear directly from young people as they respond to our research and share about the issues impacting their lives. As sociologists and researchers, we see a new story unfolding for young people, one that moves beyond traditional institutional boundaries and requires careful attention to the inner and outer lives of emerging generations. At the intersection of being and becoming, it's the Voices of Young People. Hi there, you're listening to season four of the Voices of Young People podcast. I'm Marta Abawaji, Head of Community Engagement at Springtide Research Institute. And in season four, we've been listening to all sorts of young people who are in different stages of their careers, whether they're students um, looking towards what possible vocations or ambitions they want to pursue, or maybe they're young people who have already started in really promising fields and jobs. Today we hear from Matt. He's one of our Springtide ambassadors, and he's finishing up undergrad right now. He's in the middle of auditions because he's considering what sort of career path he might pursue um, as a creative in the middle of a pandemic with, with plenty of challenges that come to the industries um, that he's been training for in terms of that being theater and dance. So he has a lot to share, um, including some, some adults that have been really key figures for him in his current work and in his school life in helping um, really carve out his next steps. So listen in for those mentorship examples and after the conversation with Matt, stay tuned because you will hear um, a tip that comes from our work-life research that comes from uh, our executive director, Dr. Josh Packard. So don't stop listening after the conversation with Matt ends and you'll get a lot from all of it. Hey, hey, uh, I'm Matthew. I'm 21. I live in Ohio. Um, I study musical theater and dance and I'm a senior, so I'm about to graduate. Um, and <laughs> I really love music as well. So music, I, I just got a bass. Um, I play my brother's guitar, I play the piano, I love to compose, I love to write music. Um, so yeah, really love the arts. <laughs> no kidding, Matt. Matt is one of our members of our Springtide Ambassadors program. So I've gotten to know him a bit over the last few months, and it is a joy to have him um, in this 15-month cohort. And I know he's like a performer, but I'm literally learning in this conversation right now that you play musical instruments besides dance and theater and all the things. Yeah, it's kind of it kind of started. You know, it started as something like, "Oh, I can do this. Everyone does this. I can do it on the side. I can learn a couple chords." And then I was like, "You know what?" what if I write a cover letter and submit it to this label in, in New York where I'm hoping to move and like maybe get a job on the business side of music? I think oh. that would be weird. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. That's, I really like knowing that for our conversation, even right now, yeah. and thinking about work life, you're already opening up so many avenues of discussion because we want to know where young people are finding meaning, where they hope to find meaning in a career sense. But also, I see the ways you're finding meaning in so many creative pursuits. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the struggle when a creative job is the job paying the bills. 
but that creative pursuit is still the thing that brings you joy and how that sometimes gets gets murky in there. So the fact that you're considering the business side is is an interesting um, thing to know about you as well. So what sort of work are you hoping to engage in the future as you are a few months from graduation? Okay. Um, this was a more of a pre-COVID thought. Um, I was really looking forward to finding a tour to be a part of or mm-hmm. a cruise. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you're on a tour or you're on a cruise, uh, you're not paying anything. You're not paying living yeah, expenses. Rent, utilities. So yeah. Pocketing that cash or maybe, you know, I don't know, spending it in Costa Rica. I, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you're pocketing your paycheck while they're covering your living expenses, eating. Ooh, um, yeah. You know, toiletries, every, all of that is something that you also get stipend for. Wow. So there's a part of your paycheck that is meant for your living. Um, that is really where. I was hoping to go. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. It's yeah. probably a really smart financial move as a fresh graduate. Mm-hmm. But COVID. Yep. Because I've got okay. money, but I don't have all the money I was, I'd be getting from a cruise ship. So. Okay. So, so you're open to a tour. You're open to a cruise, but it's just the options are more limited now. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's really helpful to know. And then there's this lingering thing in the back of your head of maybe be on the business side too. Am I hearing that right from? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say I never really considered it an option until very recently. Um, it's kind of like, it's that thing that is right in front of your face for years and years. I, li- I listen to music nonstop. You will never find me without a bud in my ear, mm. um, you know, my phone maybe in my hand, in my pocket, you know, streaming music to my ears. But um, I, I spent so much time listening to music, I kind of forgot that it's something that there is realistic business avenues to take. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also, oddly enough, I've developed a lot of skills that most people wouldn't that um, kind of come in handy for that. Uh, like I, one of the positions that I'm interested in applying for, you need to use Final Cut Pro or another mm-hmm. video editing software, which is something I've had to use to edit together my reels sure. as a performer so that I yeah. can, you know, broadcast myself. Um, so that's like, just like an interesting skill that I taught myself and is now like about to come in handy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. You, you're... It seems to me that you're very forward thinking in sort of the multi-level of skills you're going to need to hold realistically to have either a side hustle potentially or just how to present your work and what sort of different avenues or doors that might open up. So I could see a workplace setting for you being many different things. We've already covered it could be everything from a cruise ship to a semi-international tour to a business office to a yep. recording studio like there's so many different settings and so I you're love not that. okay cool yeah that's, that's great it sounds <laughs> like it's it's exciting to you instead of overwhelming maybe but um what would be the characteristics of all these possible settings that would make it an ideal work setting for you um i really think that when you're working in the arts with uh, 
you know, hopefully like-minded people, uh, you find that there are other people who are interested in not following, I guess I'm going into theater, but I'm saying not following a script. Mm, yeah. Because even though maybe you're in a show, you're following a script, there's, there's an element of um, humanity that is completely necessary to uh, acquire, you know, growth um, for a person who's leading you, a boss, a director, choreographer, to um, be involved with you as a person and not yes. just as a product. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well said. So finding um, choreogra choreographers, directors, bosses, like right now I work, uh, I work at a coffee shop, and even though I'm just behind the bar making lattes, I have a boss who is very involved in making our business like a home, a, a safe place for people where, um, you know, you can come and gather. Um, but I've never done something, I don't think, where there hasn't been people there to push me to grow. Hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a key part of this book, of this research report, that we we heard directly from young people across the country that they desire growth, a sense of growth or growthful, growthfulness. We also mentioned that in a, a previous study we did in 2020 called Meaning Making, uh, where growthful was one of the eight values um, that are specific to Gen Z for what they're really looking for, but growth could be in your professional life it could be in your personal life so hearing that explicitly from you as as a desire totally lines up with what we're hearing and and what you want from a boss or manager um also lines up from what we heard that it's a lot of young people have said it's crucial that they experience their supervisor as someone who cares for them as a person that isn't just oh yeah, you're here to produce something. And like mm -hmm. you said, you yourself are the product often in, in their entertainment or creative space. So what might a boss manager type person do to communicate care for you? What are some specific things? You know, uh, this really made me think of, um, I don't want to get like political, but like President Obama, he granted clemency to almost like 2000 people mm -hmm. and there's even though you would think the president is so disconnected from the people there's still you know there's part of that position where he recognized a humanity in these people sure um and it's really for me having a boss that can stoop I don't want to say stoop down but can see their employees at, at, at eye level and recognize that, you know, maybe something is happening at home or maybe mm. like you couldn't afford to get your tire changed. Yeah. Um, so you had to take the bus. So you were late. Um, these are all elements that I love about my boss. And, you know, if I'm late and she's calling me, I have been late. Let's say I have been late to work. <laughs> we all have. Well, maybe not. Maybe not the early people, but I've been there with you at least. It, it's not a great, it's not a great feeling. 
But it is great to know that the reason that she is so upset is because she's worried that something is wrong. Ah, uh, the source of like, she's not mad at you. She's not mad at she's me. She's concerned for your well-being. Absolutely. And that is just something that it took me a, a year or two to realize that and appreci- fully appreciate that. Mm. That she sees me as more than just, you know, filling a shift. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful example. That's a really helpful example, too. The President Obama one of someone like in high offices, a president still having uh, compassion is what I'm hearing or mm-hmm. recognition of what someone else's experience is who's quote unquote below them. Um, but also just when you're like, my actual supervisor cares for me and this is how I've directly experienced it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for those. So we... We also heard in this study that a high number of young people, they want work that aligns with a sense of meaning in their life, a sense of purpose. Do you have expectations for that in in a workplace setting? Um, I absolutely do. There is, I think the challenge with this, um, with this ideology is that I, I, and I know that this is um, about community, but there is a sense of the way that you push yourself. Um, you can see negatives everywhere you turn, but you can also see positives. You can find these meanings, even though I'm working at a coffee shop yeah. where that, yeah. that is not my career path. Right. Um, I still find meaning and I still try to learn and grow from the people I'm with. I, I'm in customer service. I talk to Mm -hmm. people all the time. And, you know, if I want to be a storyteller, Mm. if I want to use my life to tell stories, then I have to, you can't just, you know, open a blank book and start reading, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There is an element of, um, embracing the world around you to enhance the things that you never would have thought aligned. Like I said, uh, you know, learning video software and then suddenly it's a part of the requirements for this other job. You can, as long as you're pushing yourself to see Mm -hmm. the the benefits and the possibilities, you'll find um, a path that, that really, appreciates and accepts those talents and gifts and skills that you've acquired. Matt, I love that. I hear so clearly that it's a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. Like what, what I hear from you is that you don't just think, oh, I'll find meaning when I'm in my dream job in New York in five years. Then I'll have a meaningful career. Then I'll have right. meaningful work. I'm hearing from you like I can choose to find a sense of meaning and purpose in my current coffee shop job and in whatever jobs I might have in between there and what I deem as like the ultimate, um, what I'm working towards that, yeah, there's purpose to be found in all different experiences or skills that you gather along the way. Mm-hmm. That's, we, we could all learn, all different age groups could, <laughs> could learn something from that. That's really helpful. Well, speaking of different age groups, I think there's this underlying assumption that work 
life, the title of our book, <laughs> Work-Life Balance, um, is something that just older employees need to be concerned about because they must be juggling all these other roles. Um, maybe those are caretaker realities. And so if you're young, you're good to spend all your time at work. You're good on that cruise ship if that's your next gig you land <laughs> or, or at the coffee shop or whatever. You can do those longer shifts because you don't have other things on your plate. Uh, how, do you, how do you respond to that kind of assumption? That is so funny. I have never heard that and I have never okay. thought about that. Okay, but maybe that's a good thing. But um, I think I do think we live in a world where it's been normalized to work and work and work your life away. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there isn't that room for leisure time or the self-satisfying things uh, outside of what you can find. You know, like I said, like your perception of the situation, there is mm -hmm. room for life in the middle of your work. I'll say um, right now, recently, I calculated the, um, the time I'm committed every week to certain mm -hmm. activities, to jobs. Um, I think it's around 50 hours and that that's, and that's, wow. you know, 10 more hours than a full-time job. And wow. I'm not even in including the classes, the two, six hour, two, six credit hour classes, the two, three, three credit hour classes that I'm uh, in that are asynchronous. Um, I need to take time in my personal time to create these dances because sure. I work as a tap teacher and I also have classes and other things that I have to create for, um, you know, I also have to make sure my family knows I'm still kicking and I'm still alive. <laughs> yes. Personal relationships too. Yeah. So there, and there is something that's very, uh, difficult about that, but, uh, I, I also appreciate that I'm committed to things where I can see my life and my work. Um, and I'm grateful to myself for that, but there's obviously a need for time to decompress. And uh, economically, I, I understand these are things that are hard for businesses to provide, but you know, uh, having adequate staffing, I know has been like trouble with uh, nurses and Sure. Healthcare uh, people and, um, you know, higher wages would also be nice for people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just so that there's that extra gap, there's that breath in their lives to, um, you know, experience themselves as people instead of themselves as business workers. Yeah, yeah. Machines, even maybe I could mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Find that breath, that extra pause in life. Yes. Uh, well, you characterized what is a reality that we've seen in in recent uh, years and decades that people are spending more time at work than ever before. For you, it's just, oh, I happen to still be a senior in college and I have all these other gigs uh -huh. and jobs that together add up to 50 hours before you're counting other coursework. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, you really do show how much time people are spending at work. It's just it's a multiple multiple projects and venues for you. Mm -hmm. um, so where else do you find pleasure, leisure time? Like, are these activities, are these hobbies, are these passions, are these other projects? Is it just relaxing with music? Like you said, you always have an earbud um, or headphones around you. Is it some sort of community 
Um, yeah, what gives you meaning beyond the 50 plus hours of work every week? Um, hmm. I, I, I have a friend and he, he told me this saying, and I know it's not his saying, but um, it's that you need to have a love affair with your art. So that that means when you find those gaps of time, you need to pick up, you need to pick up an instrument. You need to, um, y- yeah, like pick up that instrument. L- listen to that song. Listen to that podcast. Watch that show, even though you've already watched it six times. Mm. You watch that show because you love that show. Mm. I um, <laughs> I love watching cartoons. Fun. Funny, I love watching cartoons. Uh, Adventure Time, Gravity Falls, Steven Universe, um, and some animes. There mm-hmm. is so much to be said for these kinds of shows. It's like you think they're for kids and you think that they're just like silly and they mean nothing. But there are some very important um, things embedded in, in the story and the plot. Um, but I, <laughs> I tangent. Um, you have to find, you have to take that time to experience your friendships. You know, when I have time, I FaceTime my friends or they'll FaceTime me. And if I'm busy, then I'll call them back later. But, um, you really have to take an active approach, or I guess I do. I try, I really try to take an active approach to filling my time with the things that mean something to me yeah I mean that's that's a road roadmap for sure because you could just be bogged down by all the commitments you have in your senior year and trying to wrap up and navigate the pandemic along with these auditions but the fact that you know you're carving carving out time for the things you love and that you really tapped into that advice from from a friend is it's a good word, I think, for a lot of folks <laughs> listening. So I, I'm taking that reminder to heart even of like, <laughs> do it, listen, partake in the thing that you love because you love it. Kudos, kudos to whoever gave you that advice. <laughs> who, who else gives you advice? Because you have a lot of career type decisions you're making right now. So mm-hmm. who do you turn to for guidance? Uh I will say first, I, I, I definitely always, I have, uh, you know, two or three, like, best friends that I will always turn to. They're always up to listening to my my oversaturated thoughts. They've been boiling around in my head. I can't I stop overthinking. I can't stop mm. questioning this way or that way or what am I going to do? Um, they are always open to hearing me, uh, stepping back, making me step back and view it, view things from other angles, um, question the way that I'm thinking it through, uh, you know, weighing the pros and the cons. Um, and I love them. And, uh, I have one teacher very specifically, uh, let's call them Richard. Okay. (laughs) Richard has been on Broadway. Richard has worked, um, multiple jobs at very reputable companies, ballets, theaters. Um, he has developed his mind so artistically and critically to levels that are like admi- so admirable that it's scary 
He is very sure of himself, very, um, he pushes you and he doesn't push okay. you in the way that you like, yay, everybody gets an A in my class because you showed up all the time. Like, if you don't try, you know, he knows. Mm. And there's no getting around that. He does not let me, you know, he doesn't let anyone, he doesn't let me give up on myself. He's tough, but he's fair. Um, mm. So in 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 this mess of, of him, and he's not a mess, he's, uh, you know, the most calc he's so artistically calculated it's it's mm. insane but um he has no fear in being honest with his students about what they can and cannot do mm. and in some cases you could think that's mean some people think he's mean and that he's too rough but um you know he is in the business he understands what i want to go into right i can turn i can turn to him to be honest with me about these things, you know, and, and he'll tell me like, you could do this, maybe, you know, if you, you know, get your butt in gear yeah. and keep, and keep working in my class, mm. push yourself, you know, and it's just having someone like that. It makes you realize that you're not, no one's always going to push you. Sometimes you have to push yourself, but, um, he just forces his students to live in the moment, live actively, uh, think critically about the world that we live in and uh yeah beautiful richard richard makes richard. me think richard makes me think of someone um that would be profiled in the most recent report we released prior to work life uh that is called relational authority. It's, it's part of our annual report called the state of religion and young people, but the focus of the 2020 report was relational authority. And it's basically the idea that trusted adults who really foster a sense of connection with young people earn the ability to speak directly into their lives. And that is what I'm hearing directly from this example uh, that, that, if, if Richard came in just with a lot of opinions and a lot of bravado, but hadn't first done the work to cultivate a connection with you, I don't know if you would trust um, his, even if he had fantastic artistic impulses, if you would trust his, his guidance in the same way that I'm hearing he's accompanied you in a very particular way through different courses, through different projects that has earned him the ability to be able to speak um, really directly and for you to receive that with a lot of um, gratitude and, and application. Is that a fair mm -hmm. assessment of, of what you're describing? Yeah, I will say that um, sometimes his fan base can be polarized. Mm. <laughs> I say fan base, sure. mostly there are people that don't appreciate him and don't sure. And maybe that's their way and that's okay. And they need a different kind of teacher. Um, yeah. But I really love having someone who is not afraid to, you know, be honest and be in my face about, you know, maybe I'm doing horrible and he'll tell me that. And I say, thank you. And you receive it. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's something, 
that's something maybe an extra kudos to you too. But I imagine he's 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 had to earn something for for you to to receive that. But but I think it's an important distinction you offer too that his style or his approach might not be palatable to everyone, but for you it has been spot on. Mm-hmm. So you've mentioned growth already in our conversation. Um, you, you've hinted at that theme, which, like I said, is, is key in work life. Um, what are some ways or places or people? It could be Richard, it could be another trusted adult, or it could be a community or a different setting that has helped cultivate personal growth for you. Mm-hmm. I really, I don't want to stray away from community too much, but, um, I really feel that one of the places that I learned a lot about myself, I guess, I guess I could say uh, the community would be like my my, my therapist, mm-hmm. because I had um, a surgery in June last June. Got it. So we were in uh, coronavirus. Uh, yeah. I was quarantined, and my arm was in a sling, so I couldn't work out. Yeah. I couldn't dance. Yeah. I couldn't drive anywhere. Mm, I was trapped in my basement and I was like alone with me. Yeah. With, you know, sprinkles of uh, (laughs) appointments with my therapist. But it really forced me to, um, you know, really forced me to obviously spend time with myself. But in a way that I, I have to recognize that it is about perception and, uh, per, sorry, perspective. Um, I guess both, but sure. you, you, me, we are our own constant communities and our community and our brain can either be full of naysayers or it can be full of, you know, your biggest fans. Mm-hmm. And, um, because sometimes you won't have people around you who do believe in you and that doesn't mean you give up. Mm. Um, Wow. Because then I guess they win. But what mm. do they win? Nothing. <laughs> mm. uh, but so, that was definitely, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no. You go. I was just going to say, so three cheers for therapy is what I'm hearing. Is oh, like yeah. That being, uh, we've, we've had that come up in other conversations already in this podcast series for season four of other young people also really crediting uh, mental health services and their own therapists as being key people who speak into their life or uh, process with them, accompany them through different seasons. And that sounds like a particularly difficult and lonely and isolated season um, post-surgery and in the pandemic and unable to tap into the ways you would normally move your body and that being so key to who you are and how you operate and create in the world. Right. Uh, so yay for taking advantage of therapy. I guess I will, <laughs> I will just say, and, and thank you to that, that mental health professional who was really there for you and um, was your, your teammate in that personal growth, um, that place. Um this has been fantastic, Matt. You've given us all a lot to think about. Are there are there certain things that you really wanted to bring up today that we didn't get to? I just want to offer that possibility. Um, 
Uh, yeah, there was one thing that I was thinking, and it's one of my favorite piece of ad- pieces of advice. I mentioned it in um, another uh, like interview that that I was uh, interviewed for, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. One of my favorite pieces of advice is that you shouldn't be afraid to say no to mm. an opportunity. Mm. Um, you know, some people completely lose their self-worth and they, uh, you know, will take a job that has horrible conditions or has, um, unsafe, unfair work environments. Um, but you know, you're worth more than that. I'm worth more than that. People are worth more than being treated unfairly. Mm. And um, it's okay to say no to a job that isn't right for you or that won't help you get what you need. Mm. Like, but you, you can't just give up and say, no, you have to keep working. You have sure. to keep fostering your skills, fostering your brand, um, and not let that momentum die, but always work towards experiences that give you what you really need. And the only person who knows what you really need is you. Mm. Oh, this is a, that's a good final mic drop at the end, because (laughs) I think, especially in COVID, that there is a scarcity of work um, and a scarcity mentality, maybe in the arts, especially because arts jobs are so few and far between. But you're saying if something does not feel right or it doesn't line up with your your values, feel permission to walk away, even when it's a it's a possible opportunity. Am I characterizing your advice? All right. Yeah. And I wish, um, I wish that money weren't a thing so that <laughs> I could root that more in reality, but, sure. um, sure. obviously money is a huge factor and you can't live without it. But, um, sometimes you need to step up for yourself and recognize what's really important. And that's, you know, your happiness. Mm. Good. Good word. I appreciate that, Matt. This whole conversation has been illuminating, whether it's a young person listening in their own um, career navigation stage of life, um, next step, a young adult, or other trusted adults who we know tune into the podcast and really want to hear directly from young people. So thank you for offering such compelling um, examples from your own life. And we are truly rooting for you in these final months and and these upcoming auditions that that might open up your next season so thank you again matt (laughs) thank you i'll keep you keep you in the loop please please do all right have a good one all right you too bye-bye now we have that extra tip that comes from work life helping gen z flourish and find balance here's our executive director dr josh packard we all know that meaning and purpose are important in life and for young people especially when it comes to the workplace that's no different nearly three-fourths of them told us that uh, they want the, the the work that they do in their life to have purpose but how do we help a young person find that purpose whether they're a teenager thinking about the kind of job that they might want someday uh, or maybe a new employee thinking about you know how long do i want to keep working at this place um finding meaning and purpose is critical for answering both both of those questions. And one of the really interesting things about 
helping somebody to find that sense of meaning and purpose in their lives is that we often think about it only in terms of the outcome. You know, we either think that a person has meaning and purpose or that they don't. But really critically, one of the things that social scientists and psychologists especially have been able to uncover is that the best way for a person to find meaning in life is actually to pursue causes and connections that are already bigger than themselves. In other words, it's through the process of experimentation and searching that we end up actually sort of formulating that for ourselves instead of just sort of thinking about it, talking about it, waiting around and then deciding on something and pursuing that, which I think is maybe the dominant model. We ask students a lot, you know, when they get into college, what do you want to major in? Thinking that they will have some sense already of what their purpose is in life. But the reality is a little bit more complicated than that. The process matters. And the more that we can help people, especially young people, to experiment and and sort of search around, uh, and uh, you might call it mucking about a little bit, then what we'll actually see is less wandering and, and sort of shape-shifting over the long run and much more clarity and a sense of purpose and meaning earlier in their lives. So what we want to do as guides and mentors is to help the you know teenagers try a lot of different things, experiment with them, think, you know, think through themselves through, you know, and this is where I think the role of the mentor comes into play is like, okay, if you were to, you know, we, we had this volunteer experience maybe, or you, you did that thing and you, you met that person that was really influential. What would it look like if you were in that role, helping them to process through that information? And as employers, I think we can do a lot of that same work with our entry level employees by helping to um, them to imagine themselves in different roles in the organization, um, by giving them experiences throughout the organization where they can try um, they can see how other units work and try it out for, for a small period of time. It may seem at, uh, like in the short run, like that's a, that's a big cost in terms of productivity. But what the research are pretty, is pretty clear about is that if you don't help them find that sense of meaning and purpose, well, they're going to leave and they're going to go somewhere else. Um, and that's a much bigger cost than losing a week here or there. So in order to, to get to a point of meaningfulness and purposefulness in a person's life, what we, want, what we have to do is facilitate a lot of experiences where they can begin to try on those different hats. Visit springtideresearch.org to hear more voices of young people and access our full study on young people's expectations and experiences of work titled Work Life, Helping Gen Z Flourish and Find Balance. Sign up for our newsletter and be the first to learn about our upcoming research. Today's show was produced by Marta Abuaji and TJ Birnbaum, with original music by high school student Christian Unthink. Special thanks to our guest today and all the young people whose perspectives and insights make our research possible. Remember to find us on social media at We Are Springtide and learn more about our brand new writer in residence program at springtideresearch.org. Thanks for listening.